This is Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Valor Hour episode 85 is on the air. I'm Tim Loy, your host, joined by my co-host Justin Watson. Got another great episode today lined up for our loyal listeners out there. We're going to be recapping the uh, two Bellators that were this past weekend as Bellator 207-208 as big Grand Prix heavyweight uh, semifinal action. Uh, then uh, there was also uh, more PFL Grand Prix action. Uh, not a lot going on this upcoming weekend uh, for us to dive into. We'll briefly touch on the PFL uh, playoffs. I think this is the last playoff event they're doing before uh, the finals, and so that should be interesting. Uh, got some great interviews as always. We'll be talking to the victorious Corey Browning, who shocked the world and knocked off Baby Slice uh, at one of those Bellator events. It was 207. We'll talk to him, uh, and we'll talk to a couple of the athletes on the Valor card coming up on November 2nd at Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. We'll talk to uh, one of the top uh, flyweight prospects, uh, dare I say, in the nation, Jacob Clemens, uh, and then we'll also uh, be speaking to uh, one of our professionals. We've got two flyweights on the show. Professional uh, Ned Spears will be making his debut against Dre Miley. We'll talk to him as well. Justin, how's it going, man? Uh, how was how was your week? It was kind of a slow MMA week. We had, well, I guess we had back-to-back cards with the Bellator uh, events, but uh, those just don't seem as... Uh, in a way, they are time-consuming because they're they're the way that they're paced. But at the same time, I don't just feel like I have to attach myself to the prelims like I do for UFC. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like as much of a time commitment, I guess. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it was a lot having having them back to back. I mean, I still would have liked to have had just one really big, nice card. Um, but other than that, I think it was a pretty good weekend. Yeah, good yeah, fight. some good action, some good action. We'll uh, we'll we'll jump in here and we will uh, begin our recap, uh, starting with the Bellator 207 card that went down on Friday night. It was in Uncasville, Connecticut, at the Mohegan Sun. Um, not too much of note on the prelims, from what I uh, from what I gathered. Uh, the only thing of note, kind of, was. Uh, uh, Janae Harding was, I guess it was a bit of, maybe it wasn't an upset, but Sinead Kavanaugh lost again. It was to a, I think it was to a cut. She had a pretty bad cut, but, uh, she trains with Connor in the, in the gang there, you know, at SBG. And so, uh, I'd say that was who they were, uh, probably pushing to win, but, uh, but she did not. Uh, other than that, not a whole lot to speak of on the main card. This Mike Kimball guy, he, he had a six second knockout. He's like the guy they're really pushing. He's, uh, I think they're gonna really try to try to do something with him. He 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 won with like a, a power bomb in his first uh, his first win, and now uh, wins with a six second knockout in this one. But uh, leading off the main card, we had uh, lightweight action. It was Carrington Banks taking on Mandel Nalo. Uh, Banks opened as a pretty heavy favorite. We talked about how we uh, were interested in playing Nalo when he was like plus 225. But by the time the fight went off, I believe he may have been a slight favorite. If it it wasn't, they were a pick It was even at best. 
all the money came in on uh, Nalo. And so uh, at the last minute, now not on our official picks here, but at the last minute I did play, I will admit, Carrington Banks, uh, just thinking that the wrestling would be enough. And, and uh, it wasn't. Uh, the first round was, was really close. He was able to kind of get his wrestling going a little bit in that first round. But uh, second round, he eats a huge uh, flying knee uh, for a, a knockout of the year contender. And Mandel Nalo uh, has arrived. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I've actually got written down that I put a half a unit on Nala. Maybe I forgot. Maybe I maybe I wrote it down ahead of time and then didn't say it in the show. But um, so yeah, if not, I wish I would have gotten it. I think he was a decent favorite. Going, you know, by the time the fight came around, I think he was like plus one sixty or something. Yeah, uh, by the by the time that he got around, uh, he became the favorite. When we were doing the podcast, he was only plus 140, and I, I liked it, but I just didn't want to pull the trigger on it because I was afraid that he hadn't fought a wrestler uh, of that caliber yet. And I guess he had, uh, but, man, he's very dynamic, and he's a guy that I think you could probably see Bellator really trying to, to, to start building up because he's a very exciting fighter. Uh, up next was the fight that we had the most interest in. It was uh, Baby Slice making his return to the Bellator cage, and this time he was facing a guy we know well from our area, Corey Browning. Uh, Browning comes in as a massive underdog. That fight opened, I want to say, with Ferguson, like, minus 450, and uh, and by the time it went off, it had shot all the way up to, like, minus 1,000. Um, the first round was really close. Uh, as kind of expected, uh, Ferguson tried to use his superior physicality to kind of bully Corey around the cage and uh, get takedowns, but he wasn't really able to do much with it. And Corey was able to use just just technique, essentially, to, to, to earn sweeps, uh, to keep the fight uh, in kind of 50-50 positions where he had opportunities to go for subs. And, um, you know, at the end of the round, uh, he, had, he had been cut open pretty good, but he managed to get a, a crucifix position, was able to just kind of tee off on slice to finish the round. Uh, had an argument for winning that first round. It's really hard to say. They may have still given it to Slice for having some top control, uh, you know, for uh, a good bit of the time. But the second round, uh, Slice was visibly tired, uh, had really kind of blown his load in the first round. Uh, lands uh, a good shot on Browning. One of several good shots. I want to commend Corey's chin because it really held up. He, he ate probably a total of four or five really good heavy shots between knees uh, to the head and, and, and punches, and he never dropped, but uh, he did drop uh, Ferguson right after uh, Ferguson landed one early. Uh, Browning dropped him. There was a scramble on the ground that Ferguson seemed to get the better of, and then I don't know if it was a mental lapse or just complete exhaustion, but uh, he gives up a, a choke attempt on Browning, and the next thing you know, Browning's on top hammering down and, and gets a stoppage for uh, the big upset win, and I'd heard some people say they thought that maybe that was one of the biggest um, underdog upsets as far as the books go, as far as the you know fights that actually get lines on. And there are some fights on the undercard, I'd say, that maybe were that have been maybe further apart. But um, as far as lines, uh, fights that were lined, that this was the biggest underdog to to hit. Now, don't no, don't quote me on that because I don't know it to be fact, but I've heard that. Your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, that's what I heard is that it was uh, the biggest underdog hit. But man, I mean, the first round was pretty close. You know, I think. Um, Ferguson had Corey in, in trouble, you know, a lot worse trouble. But you know, Corey got the crucifix. That you know, that was that's a big position, dominant position. So um, I thought he did really well, you know, sticking through that knee, you know, coming back in the second round and um, just weathering the storm. Basically, it was huge for him. 
you know, it was uh, it was obvious that he was really soaking up the moment, uh, biggest opportunity that he's had uh, up to this point. Uh, he, I think he knew going in that he was the underdog, uh, obviously, and uh, and kind of just uh, kind of went with it. You know, he's a very unassuming guy, and I, uh, you know, watching the weigh-ins, I was real curious to see how he reacted because I I could tell he was nervous, but at the same time, you know, you know that that Slice was probably going to try to big dog him in the face-offs and and try to get him to you know, some intimidation factor, if you will. And he did a good job of holding his ground there, you know. So I don't think he ever showed any sort – he was never – he never showed that he was starstruck in any way, and I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I think we all we all said, you know, we've seen Corey do this before where, you know, somebody that most people don't think that he belongs in there with at all, and then, you know, he comes out and finishes them. So, um, damn, I wish I would have put a unit on it for the uh, podcast. That would have been big. Oh, yeah, that would have paid off real nice. Uh, unfortunately, our lack of faith <laughs> ends up costing us. And we'll let Corey rub that in a little bit later when we chat with him. Uh, moving on, we had the uh, alternate bout in the welterweight Grand Prix that Bellator is doing. It was 170 pounds. Uh, originally supposed to be Lorenz Larkin and Eric Silva, which would have been a pretty good fight, I think. Uh, Eric Silva, he pulls out, and it is Ion Paskew that comes in on short notice. Heavy favorite. Put up a fairly good showing for himself, though. Goes the, goes the distance and maybe got around on some cards. Uh, what, were you, what did you think? Yeah, I was impressed with Pasco. Um, I thought Lorenz Larkin should be able to go in there and take care of him pretty fast. And um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a domination by any means. So, um, I think that was, it was a win for Pasco. You know, in that in that account. Um, I don't know, man. Larkin is a lot better than he's shown. I feel like since he's been over at Bellator, I think he can do a lot better, but um, we'll see what happens. Do you think that we will ultimately get a chance to see him in that Grand Prix? Um, is there any more? Um, I think they're done. More, with, uh, well, no, no, I don't think they've done any of the, they haven't done any of the first rounds yet, have they? Or if they have, they did the one. They did, uh, what was it? Uh, they did uh, Lima's fight. Uh, yeah, but is there any more alternate bouts? No, I, I think that's the only alternate bout. Okay, so, so he is the alternate. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think there's a good chance. I mean, I, I've been kind of waiting to see where Rory's at after mm-hmm. you know getting getting pounded so bad. But I mean, that's you know that's always a factor. Um, you know, I think Lorenz Ark that that would be. I think you could probably play that. Um, you probably get outstanding odds if you picked Lorenz. Now, as the winner of the Grand Prix, and he oh, yeah. ends up coming in and doing it, he could probably win crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think there's probably a good chance of it happening. Moving on to our co-main event, uh, for the record, none of us, need, uh, neither uh, neither of us, shall I, should I say, uh, made any plays on those first uh, three bouts. However, we did on the on the uh, the co-main event, and it was a heavyweight matchup where uh, Big Country Roy Nelson comes in as a pretty heavy favorite over uh, Sergey Karatanov, who uh, who who finishes him with uh, with a big uh, TKO right at the end. I mean, literally at the end of the first round. Both guys landed some big shots, but uh, 
you know, I I thought maybe you could have got him out of there a little earlier. There were several times where he had him rocked, and I thought he'd go ahead and finish him off. But I, I guess he had to really respect uh, Roy's power to, to to still come back. But uh, Sergey Karatanov with a big win as an underdog uh, that was not part of the Grand Prix, but uh, I. You know, one has to imagine that you know he's he's positioned himself with a big one like this to to kind of be in the picture if someone else were to fall out or something like that at this point. Uh, Justin and I both jumped on that underdog action as Sergey uh, was a big plus two fifty five underdog. By the time the fight got here, it was uh, it was maybe just a touch more. It may have been like plus two seventy or so. But uh, regardless, he gets the win. We both put a half unit on there. We both cashed for 1.27 units uh, on that play. Uh, what did you think of that fight, Justin? Uh, kind of what I was expecting to happen. Karasanov um, is, is, you know, he's been in there with everybody uh, just like Roy has. And um, I don't know, Roy just, everybody said it forever. He's in the wrong weight class, you know, and it's almost past, past time now. There's not much you can do about it because he's, he's ended his career this way, but I would have loved to have seen him, you know, really take it serious and get down to 205 or maybe even 85 early in his career and see, you know, what kind of a talent he could have been. Um, yeah, I agree. And, really and not to mention, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, earned a reputation for putting on exciting slugfest type fights, but, you know, he's head and shoulders above Karatanov on the ground, and, and we never really yeah. saw that, uh, him try to get it there. You know, he's a black belt. Yeah, he did try to take Karatanov down uh, pretty early and got stuffed. And I, I thought, you know, right away, this is the only way he's going to be able to win this fight. Uh, he just Karatanov is just a little too hungry, a little too fast. And Roy, you know, it's not hard to hit him. Like, you know, he, he hits really hard and knocks a lot of people out, but he gets hit a ton because, he, you know, he's not that defensive. So um, he ate way too many shots in this fight. I mean... You know, that's somebody you got to be concerned about with, with uh, you know, brain trauma going forward in life. That brings us to our main event. The one fight on the weekend that, that uh, no, 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 this is not the one. This, uh, I actually ended up not, I don't think I, did I make a play on this? No, I didn't make a play on this. I I, uh, I had said when Justin and I were talking that I really thought Bader was going to win, but I ended up not uh making an official play on this one uh it was the main event it was the uh one half of the uh semi-final weekend for the heavyweight grand prix ryan bader wins a very very dominant uh decision over matt mitrione to to advance to the finals uh justin goes out on a limb and took mitrione in this one he was a big underdog paying back at plus 275 uh, so Justin loses a half a unit there, but uh, man, it was really, you know, I could see the logic there because he did look so much bigger. My wife and I watching the fight were just like, man, it is so much, it's crazy how visibly noticeable, uh, the, how much smaller Bader is than Mitrione, but it's still just manhandling him, still just ragged on him around, and Mitrione looked like he just didn't have an answer at all uh, once he was taken down fairly easily every time. Uh, so Bader climbs to 26 and five, advances to that finale of the Grand Prix. Mitrione drops to 13 and six. Your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, I thought the size was going to play a, a big difference in that fight. Um, Mitrione's wrestling is, I mean, it's just really, really, really bad. Um, but Bader's, you know, Bader's—he doesn't quit. He's relentless with it. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna take you down eventually. Um, 
even if it means he has to shoot a thousand times. But uh, with Mitrion, didn't take that. I mean, every time he shot, I think almost he landed the takedown. So um, I was surprised that uh, that he did so well, honestly. But uh, he looks big. I mean, in the face-off with uh, uh, with Fedor, I mean, he's a lot bigger than Fedor. Ryan Bader is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bader's a thick guy. He's just, you know, he's not a real tall guy. I mean, you know, he makes uh, he makes 205. You know, he's the champion at 205. So it'll be interesting to see moving into this finale, uh, you know, uh, how, how it all plays out. Uh, that brought us to our second card of the weekend for Bellator is Bellator 208. That one, um, that one was going down in New York, Long Island, New York, at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, looking at the undercard here, nothing that jumps out at me uh, as being too much to speak of, to tell you the truth. The main card uh, started off with uh, a big favorite, the biggest favorite of the night. Uh, well, yeah, I think he was the biggest favorite of the night. Henry Corrales uh, moves to 16-3, and three, great record there, as he finishes Andy Main off in the second round by TKO. Uh, I'm sorry, that was round three that that happened. Uh, and Maine was, he made a good accounting of himself, you know, Corrales was like minus 500 or so or more. And I actually, I actually thought about taking a small flyer on Maine. I ended up passing all the way, but, uh, Maine was competitive for the, for the beginning of the fight, but, uh, as it wore on and he began to slow down, Corrales using good counter punching, uh, finally was able to, uh, to drop him and finish him off with strikes. And uh, has got to be in the in the in the conversation now. I would think for uh, that title picture at featherweight, Justin. Yeah, did I not take Corrales on that one? Neither of us took a play because he was so high. He was like minus five hundred or better. Yeah, and I had it written down to cover my shell loss. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, he's he's a monster, man. Um, I say you, I say you, you'll see a, a big step up pretty soon. So that brought us to our next bout, a battle of, uh, of Russian fighters. It was Anatoly Tokov taking on Alexander Shlomenko, former champion for Bellator. He's on a bit of a skid. Uh, that fight uh, opened with Shlomenko being a mild favorite. Whenever we did the podcast, uh, Shlomenko was uh, about one four, minus 140, give or take. Um, no, by the time we did the podcast, it had gotten to even. Uh, but he had opened as that much of a favorite. Uh, I passed on it, although I was leaning towards Tokov. Justin did take Tokov for a half unit at minus 115, and uh, he was able to get it done. You know, there were some good exchanges uh, on the feet, but ultimately it was Tokov getting the better of most all those exchanges, got it to the ground uh, a couple times as well, and uh, gets unanimous decision, and Shlomenko continues to slide where Tokov is now 27-3. and Justin. Tokov looks great. I mean, Shlomenko's been around forever. The guy's got, like, almost 70 fights or something, but um, it was you know, it was a good fight. The two Russians, you know, kind of going in there and going at it. You might have seen um, kind of like a passing of the torch in that one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of waves Tokov can make in that middleweight division. Bringing us to our feature bout, and this is one that I thought could be a bit of a, a slog to have to sit through uh, from a viewer's perspective, but it was not. It was uh, Czech Congo getting a big uh, knockout, a TKO, if you will, uh, just about a minute into the first round. He knocks off Timothy Johnson, who was uh, had just come from the UFC. Uh, both uh, Timothy Johnson was was a favorite, uh, and he got more and more of a favorite as it went on. But when we at the time of the podcast, Czech Congo was a plus one ten underdog. Justin and I both 
liked that number and uh, and recommended a play. Both cashed out a win there on half a unit. Uh, and, you know, I kind of thought this was going to be a battle in the clinch, a lot of wrestling, a lot of just kind of big man, slow, not exciting fight. But um, Timothy Johnson, he, he went for a takedown and uh, Congo was able to just get underhooks, muscle him over there to the cage uh and and uh and flip him you know kind of reverse reverse that it ends up being able to to pound him out and uh, not a good debut for timothy johnson and, and check congo with two finishes in a row after a good streak of fights where he was he wasn't getting finishes what do you think uh check congo just kept rolling i think that the seven fight win streak for him now um i expected more out of timothy johnson for sure but i definitely you know seeing check congo in that fight plus money i had to take something on it the co-made event was another big favorite that that began to tighten up as it got closer. Uh, ben Benson Henderson opened at like minus 500 over side of Wad. Uh, we knew that was going to be a dangerous fight because you know Wad's been in there with such good talent. He's a hitter. He's a gamer. Uh, and I, I had to pass on it. You did take a flyer on side of Wad, a quarter of a unit. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out as uh, Vincent Henderson gets a unanimous decision. There was some moments for a Wad, uh, as always. There were some scary moments, but uh, Henderson was able to uh, just kind of control the ground game and get the better positions there, gets a unanimous decision. Your thoughts? Yeah, I was glad to see Benson come back. He's kind of been struggling in Bellator so far, and um, a Wad has been – you know, doing pretty pretty well as as of late. So, um, but it was good to see Benson come come back strong. And of course, that brought us to our main event, the second part of our uh, heavyweight semifinals. It was Fedor Emelianenko taking on Chael Son. A lot of hype behind this fight. Uh, Emelianenko, a fairly sizable favorite. Uh, minus two sixty, uh, and uh, Chael Sonnen, uh, the underdog. Uh, coming back at plus 220, uh, and man, you know, Fedor's just, uh, Fedor just be Fedor, and you know, Chael uh, went for uh, takedowns as we expected, uh, really had a hard time getting him there, and uh, he finally did, and then uh, ended up uh, falling off the top of him, or getting too high, essentially, and, and then getting pounded out pretty quick, so Fedor, uh, with a big win, uh, Chael and just, just, yeah, you know, in, in looking back on it, and I'm and I did pick Fedor. I went two units on Fedor uh, uh, to win uh, like .77 units, but uh, I, I really just didn't see how Chael was going to do it. You know, I, I really couldn't see how he was going to manage to get those takedowns and control him for the for the majority of the time, and uh, and he wasn't able to. Uh, and Fedor Emelianenko is able to move to 38 and five, and he'll go on to that Grand Prix, Grand Prix finale to take on. Uh, Ryan Bader in a fight that should be really, really uh, interesting clash of styles. Uh, your thoughts? I think Chill is surprised by uh, how strong Fedor ended up being. Um, you know, the size-wise, they weren't that far off. I think Fedor had like 10 pounds on him at weigh-ins. Um, but Fedor's upper body is just, like, just weird. All his weight's in his upper body. He has no legs at all. He gets on top of you. He's, he's, he's pretty heavy. Um, but yeah, Chill had the opportunity to uh, get in a good position and and finish the fight. He was trying to roll, you know, roll forward with Fedor, you know, so that uh, he was on his back, you know, in the rear naked position. But I don't know, it wasn't a very good attempt. So, um, but he survived, you know, at that point. He got hit with some big shots throughout the fight. I mean, I think 
you know, it just surprised me the shots that he took, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the finale. Any any lean initially in that finale? Without seeing the odds, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. I feel like my gut tells me Bader, um, but, you know, if, if Bader's the favorite, there's no way I can not take Fedor. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of leaned that way as well. Uh, I think it will be a little bit tougher uh, ask for him to be able to shuck off Bader's takedown to, uh, attempts as easily. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes down. And that wraps up Bellator uh, 208 and 207. Uh, looks like uh, Bellator's got about a month off before they're back, and the next card's in, like, Israel. So we'll see what's up with that as we get a little bit closer to it. Uh, and that will bring us to our interview uh, portion of the program. Let's get on the line with our first guest. All right, finally on the line this evening, we've got the man that pulled the biggest upset of last weekend as he knocked off Baby Slice, Kevin Ferguson Jr. in front of a worldwide audience. Corey Browning on the line with us. Corey, how's it going? It's going really good. Uh, it's been it's been crazy. Mm, My face doesn't calm down. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. I'm sure the last probably oh I'd say week about right now because you were flying out there. Uh, or you were out there already this time last week. Uh, of course, Corey yep. knocks off uh, baby slides Kevin Ferguson Jr. at Bellator 207 this past uh, Friday night. Uh, huge underdog uh, in the Vegas books. Uh, most everyone had him counted out. But, uh, man, you went in there and you proved them all wrong uh, and, and, and really uh, just put on a hell of a fight. It was uh, one of the most entertaining fights of the night. I spoke to the matchmakers of Bellator. They loved it. They loved you. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the uh, – well, before, before we, we get to uh, the fight itself, talk a little bit about the experience leading up to the fight. Uh, obviously, this being your first Bellator fight, there was a lot more that went into it as far as promotional obligations, signing oh, yeah. posters, things like that. Uh, and, you know, you're a TV fighter. There's there's kind of like two separate schedules, I notice. You know, if you're on TV, you, there's still a lot of shit to do, but, like, there's still not quite as much shit to do as you're going to be on TV. Talk about it. It was, it was definitely a crazy experience. I mean, it started as soon as I landed, you know. Um. I was really nervous on the plane flying to uh, Hartford is where we flew in. Wow. And uh, on the, so they had a driver there for us and he's wearing this like really nice Bellator shirt. And it's like when it started setting in, I was like, yeah, this is way different already. <laughs> right, right. So, and then when we got to the Mohegan Sun, the casino, you know, we walked in. The, it was impressive on the outside, but as soon as we walked in the doors, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and, like, my nervousness kind of started whisking away, like, as I was getting caught up in the moment. And it was great. Uh, I, I, so, the, you know, they, they brought us in. They checked us in. <clears throat> and we were there in this little office where the arena is. You know, they have to, like, key card you in. Like, there's a guy that works for Mohegan Sun that swipes his card, and an old door beeps and opens. And uh, I go in there, and I sign some things. They um, they just handed me this envelope with some cash in it. It was like, here, this is for food and stuff. I didn't expect <laughs> that. I didn't expect that at all. I was like, okay, thanks. I didn't know that was part of the deal. <laughs> it, was, it was nice of them. 
And um, I got done signing some of the things. Uh, you know, you sign in on the tablet, there's some paperwork. Some of the paperwork I had to redo that I already had done. I don't know why. But they, uh, when it was time to actually check into our rooms, they took us to this like little VIP office and it actually said VIP on the door. It was cool. (laughs) It was, it was unexpected, you know, and it was, it was just a great, it was just great. And then like Wednesday there was the photo shoot. And then like Thursday there was a, cause the photo shoot was weird. I'm not necessarily like a big fan of doing things like photo shoots. Right. But like, like, but seeing the, cause there was that Christy, I think her name was Christy. One of the female fighters, one of the really attractive ones was in there doing her photo shoot. And uh, yeah, it was cool seeing her do her photo shoot. <laughs> cause it was a lot more involved than mine, you know, cause I don't know. The, the, I guess they take a lot of pictures of the girls. Well, girls, girls uh, like that shit. Yeah, I, I, I hated it. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be here. But she was all, you know, pretty and, like, doing her thing. And they were making her do, like, head kick poses and stuff that I couldn't even really do. I mean, I can kick somebody in the head, but I can't, like, just stand there in that position, you know. Like, but, hey, uh, at the same time, at the same time, that was uh, that was a picture that got blown up on a freaking Megatron as you got to walk out there. That was awesome. Yeah, that you know, I didn't see that until I went home and watched the video. I was like, "Oh wow, okay, that's what they did with that." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you, you had, were walking up. You also up. had, of course, a lot of things to do with the broadcast team. I'm sure, as far as meeting with commentary, uh, them getting your yep. backstory. You know, going into this thing, uh, I, so many people had you pegged as such a big underdog. So I'm, I know that the commentary guys were are always looking for little tidbits, if you will, uh, about about uh, about guys that are not as, as well known, uh, so they have something to talk about. Uh, was that it, it, you know? I was I believe I was watching the pre the pre show, and Josh Thompson uh, was talking about some conversations he had with you. So uh, you know, talk a little bit about that, and uh, you know, the whole uh, the process of getting ready. Uh, to weigh in the, while you're while you're doing, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you had a little bit of weight you had to cut through this whole process. Yeah, I was about uh, 165 on the plane down there, uh-huh. so I had to cut about 10 pounds. Yeah, and meeting like um, Big John McCarthy and stuff was really cool. You know, being in there with his commentators at first, I was really nervous, and but then like by the end of the interview, I was laughing with him and hanging out. It was cool. They were really cool guys. You know, it was weird because it was weird seeing them in an unprofessional manner, too, because they were back there just, like, kicking it, you know? Right. It was really cool. It's like, like, this, this like, is Mike Goldberg calling my five. Yeah, exactly, you know? And so I don't really – when it comes to, like, really well-known people, I don't really follow them, and I don't really get – like, I don't really get, like, excited about meeting famous people. And a lot of people, because like Conor McGregor's head coach came and shook my hand after the fight and was like, dude, that was a really good job. And I didn't even know who he was. I, you know, because my, my teammate was like, dude, do you have any idea how big a deal that is? Like, that's Conor McGregor's head coach. I was like, oh, really? Cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. that was happening the whole trip through. That was happening the whole trip through. He was like, this guy does this and that, and this guy does that. And he's like, dude, that was Josh Thompson. You know, he's fought, he's fought Ben Henderson and shit. Like, 
I was like, I just, I just didn't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> At least you had Brandon there to, to let you know all the people that you're you're rubbing shoulders with. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it was great. You know, having Brandon there was really cool, too, and I'm really glad he was there. Uh, yeah, I think he really enjoyed himself just being around, just being in. See, because the thing about the Bellator show is, it's like, it feels like a big show, like, the right. whole way through. And I don't know what it's like for the prelim guys, because I know they were staying in a different hotel than we were. But, like, I mean, they were doing interviews and stuff like that, too, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was there. But, yeah, being on, on, a, on a TV card, you, you are definitely in a different category. Like, they, <laughs> they separate you. And it was... Yeah, it was it was incredible. It really was. And I just... I had a general good feeling about it the whole... After I arrived... I just had a general good feeling about, you know, how the experience was going to play out and how winning would just, because there was a point where I was just like, I've already had enough fun for it to be worth the trip. And I haven't even made weight yet. And I was like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, and after I made weight, I really didn't like the mock weigh-ins, you know, I didn't like that very much, Uh but you know, um, just, I mean, Kevin Ferguson, he got my face really close and everything, and it's just like, dude, I mean, I understand it's business, but, like, you know, you're fighting this guy, and he's, like, right there, and you're just like, <laughs> you're in my bubble, dude. Like, we're not friends yet. Right, <laughs> we're not friends right. until this is over with. Well, I, that, that was said, something that I was that was something that I was impressed with because I knew just kind of watching him and and watching his father over the years that that's a big part of their uh, their mystique their uh, their upper hand is that intimidation factor that uh, you know they want to to punk you out they want to to make you crack and show fear you did a great job of holding your ground there and just and not budging because uh, uh, you know under the the pressure of the moment it would have been really easy to take a step backwards you know so uh, probably yeah. to you there for, for, for staying ice cold. Justin and I were both cheering you on. Justin, what you got for Corey? Corey, man, congratulations again. You look great out there. I'm Thanks. sure it was I'm sure it was unreal. How did uh it how was. strong did he feel when he was on top of you? Dude, he felt like a powerhouse. Even when after he was tired, I could feel strength. Like it was it was it was he was definitely powerful, you know? He's better yeah. at grappling than I thought he would be. Like like I have some pretty slick things I can do on the ground, but when somebody's that strong, it's really hard to to hit things without like being in a dangerous position. Because like you know he he really is a powerful human. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of what everybody you know anybody that's, that's seen you before kind of thought you know Corey can definitely submit this guy. Um, I was surprised with you know his with his uh, ground game too. How's your eye feeling? My eye feels actually my my eye is healing great. Uh, everybody keeps saying, "Wow, it looks so much better." The swelling's pretty much all the way gone. It's really not that tender. It's still a little bit purple. I don't think I cracked the orbital. Um, yeah, because in the ER he was like, "Man, we might want to do a CAT scan because you know it's paper thin bone in there." And he was talking about the tendons getting stuck in the the fracture and. I was like, man, I don't, I really don't. It doesn't hurt bad enough for me to think that it's like broken or anything, and it's not. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a that was a huge shot when I saw you push through that. That was a a good sign of of what was to come. I mean, you could tell that uh, that wasn't he wasn't going to be able to last too much longer at the rate that he was going. You know, uh, with that kind of output. 
Um, yeah, he was going 120. I mean, he was, yeah. and I and it made it made me worried for a minute too because I was like, man, this guy is sticking to me like glue. Like I kind of wanted to stand up. I was okay with standing up. I did not expect him to go for takedowns the way he did. I didn't expect it at all. Completely caught yeah. me off guard. I almost thought that he had probably heard you talk a little bit beforehand and, and thought, you know, well, if this guy thinks that he's going to outgrapple me, I'll just show him. Uh, and I think that was definitely a big downfall for him because, I mean, he he, he did good, but, but, again, I think he he just powered through everything. And ultimately, you know, you're just going to tire out um, eventually there. But Yeah, trying to muscle everything. Exactly. What did it feel like when you dropped him? He was he was kind of rushing you. It looked like he might have had you hurt a little bit, and you just planted your feet and just fucking stuck him. Uh, what, Actually, what those two hits, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that I got hit until I watched the video. I thought that I cleared those punches, but then I saw the video and I was like, "Oh, that did connect." I was like, "Wow!" I didn't even know his punches weren't that strong. His knee was really strong. Yeah, yeah, that knee was his nasty. ground and pound. His ground and pound was really strong. But when I was when we were on the feet, I didn't. I I could have swore that he missed with those punches. Like I thought he hit my hands. <laughs> yeah, but no, he didn't. But yeah, so like in the back, Brandon was. I was hitting mitts in the back, warming up, and he was like, "All right, he likes to loop his punches a little bit. So as soon as you feel that right, as soon as he throws that right, straight down the middle, straight down the middle, straight down the middle." And we pretty much practiced that for like three solid minutes straight before I went out there. And in the beginning of the second round, I made eye contact with him. And, uh, cause I was exhausted and I was having a moment of weakness when the cut man was working on my eye. I was like, mm, you know, if he calls it for this cut, dude, I can walk out of here with my pride. And then the bell rang and we were about to, yeah, it, 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 I was, I was, I was worried at that point. But I did, I wasn't going to quit. I went out there and I was going to meet him in the middle of the cage just because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I made eye contact with him. And what I saw in his face was that he wanted to be there less than I did. <laughs> uh, I was like, it's time for me to go over here and land a right. It's like, this, that's what I, I thought that in those few seconds. I was like, he wants to be here less than me. It's time to go right. And even if you look at the beginning of the second round, we meet in the middle of the cage and then he starts taking steps back. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what yeah. I knew, you know. I could tell that he was broken going into that second round, and you know, there in the beginning, when you know, bef- right before you finished him, it was like he knew that he had to just unload there. I mean, how close was the choke? The choke. Okay, so the choke was pretty. So I want to say something about the crucifix at the end of the first round first, because oh, yeah, I thought was I was gonna. I. I thought I was going to win there. If I had three more seconds, that ref would have stopped it. Those elbows were landing. He may not have had a cut or welt, but that's because I was hitting him right under the ear. Yeah, I, I, I know agree. that yeah. hurt. You get stuck in that position. I mean, once you know, once you had him there, there was nothing that he could do about it. He had no way out. Uh, being he that didn't close know. Yeah, he he's never been there before. No, and no. Uh, that would have been nice to see a few more seconds. That would have been that would have been sweet, but that was. Uh, really impressive too. Yeah, I lo- I hit that on my sparring partners in the gym a lot, and that's why. Cause like some, but in the gym, like I'll bait the leg. Like I'll have somebody's back, and I'll put my leg up so they grab it, and then I'll just boom, I have their arm. Him, I didn't 
I didn't bait the leg. I didn't think it on purpose. But when he did hook my leg, it was instinct. Bam, crucifix. Mm. It was awesome. Now, for the choke, the, the arm triangle was pretty tight. I, I, I had made the decision, though. I was like, okay, so, like I said, going out with pride. Like, they're going to have to wake me up in a few minutes. Like, I was thinking <laughs> to myself, okay, because it, it got tight there for a second, and I was defending it, and I was like – because you know how, like, I mean, if you, when you grapple, you know, like, somebody will get a choke, and then they'll, like, squeeze it, and it'll get a little bit tired, and they'll loosen up. And when, as soon as you start feeling them loosen up, that's your cue to get out. Yeah. And I, that's the, I, was, I was ready to pass out. I was like, okay, so stuff should start getting dark soon. Like, I got a few seconds here. Like, okay, my vision should start going dark. And then he loosened up. So I rolled out, and then he got my back which I had an arm in, I had my hand under his forearm. So the choke wasn't really that tight. And, uh, you know, he went up like he was trying to choke me and he gave up on it and he went to do a strike and he just fell over and I climbed on top and just, I just did enough to get the ref to end the fight. You know, what, yeah, was your, was, what did you feel like? Did you, you know, obviously when you dropped him, I'd say that gave you a nice little adrenaline surge at the time to kind of gut through, gut through those next couple of minutes. Had the referee not stopped it at that point, do you think you had enough in the gas tank to 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 continue that pace, or or do you do you think it, you would have been to where he was? I was not that far off where he was, man. Uh, you know, honestly, I think we were probably about the same. I just. I just had less quit. I just, I, I, I wasn't going to quit. There was no quit in me. So no matter how exhausted I was, I was going to keep going. I was going to keep doing what I knew to do. If, if I would have got too tired to throw punches on top like that, I would have, I would have probably went for an arm triangle myself. Cause I grapple so much that no matter how tired I get, like I keep a certain level of technique when I grapple. And, you know, I've been to gyms and they tell me that, you know, like, man, you get really tired, but you you know, you can still do a tight choke. It's like, you know, that's, that's a weapon, you know? So after he was that tired, I mean, he got, he got brought out on a stretcher. He was too tired to continue. I could have just stood up and walked away in the referee. <laughs> call, but, you know, so of course, saying? you know, coming into this fight, uh, you know, everybody knew who, who slice was. He had a little bit of the crowd pop behind him, but it seemed like the crowd turned your way, you know, to, at the end there, they were, they were cheering for you. Uh, to, to get him out of there uh, to, it gives you a really nice moment there at the end, uh, you know, standing in the middle of that Bellator cage, getting interviewed by John McCarthy, uh, just a, a really Surreal. kind of a, a once in a lifetime uh, kind of opportunity and uh, an accomplishment, man. So I, I know that had to feel good. It really was. It was, it was spectacular. I didn't hear about the crowd turning until I was in the back getting looked at by the doctor. Uh, Kevin Dyke came back there. And he uh, he was like, dude, that crowd started cheering for you halfway through the first. Yeah. Like, because they, they, they I, when when they called my name and I walked out in the cage, everybody was quiet, dude. You could hear crickets in the background. <laughs> you know, Kevin Ferguson comes out here and you hear the whole place erupt. You know, and that place got pretty loud. I mean, that was definitely the loudest crowd I've ever been in front of. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, Kevin coming there, he said, yeah, dude, they were chanting your name and everything, and it was crazy. Like it was like you turned them. Like it was. It was crazy, you know, and I think, I think they saw me eat that knee, and uh, you know, because that was a big deal. You know, that would put a lot of people down. Oh yeah, the, the beard, the beard yeah. held up. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was certainly it, it was certainly exciting to watch, man. I, I you know, uh, what, did the Bellator matchmakers do? Did they seem like they were happy with you? Does it seem like uh, uh, you're going to get another another fight with them? I, I would think that you would. You put on such a good a good performance, and and I noted that you know there was a little bit of a train of thought that if you were going to win, you may have to grind him out kind of and, and maybe slow the fight down and make it boring. But if anything, he was the one uh, that was trying to do that at the end and uh, you were trying to push the pace. So I know uh, generally that they, they, they smile upon uh, guys that, that, that put on good action fights. Yeah. And I hope so. I mean, they did come back there. Uh, I don't remember. I really wish I knew the guy's name. He's really tall. And he looked kind of Asian, and he was wearing this really nice suit. You know, that's, I think he that's, was that like, would be that would be Rich Chow. I don't was it Rich Chow? Is Rich Chow really tall? He is. And young. Well, I mean, he's probably not. He's like thirty-ish or so, but he looks really young. He's he is he is a dashing a dashing tall fellow, and he does have very nice suits. I think he played uh, co- like like college division one volleyball in, uh, at like Pepperdine. Right. So apparently after I went to go get stitches, he told Craig and Brandon McMahon, he was like, welcome to the Bellator family, you know, and I, I didn't hear about that until later either. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I really do hope they call me. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I, I went and lifted weights this morning at four o'clock in the morning. I was just like, I have this energy about me now, you know, uh, the, the, just that experience alone and just, like, I think if I would have been in the fight shape that I was in eight months ago, that fight would have ended a lot quicker. I would have been, he wouldn't have been able to overpower me as much as he did. And it would have, it would have been a completely different fight. Um, uh, well, a lot of yeah, people, so. a lot of people that I, that I talked to leading up to it, you know, agreed, you know, Corey's been the underdog in a lot of fights. <laughs> you know, this is, this is not the first time he's been an underdog. And as an amateur, I feel like you fought, some really good guys, you know, <laughs> you fought, you fought guys that, that, uh, that honestly I would maybe uh, clock above, uh, above baby slice. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, it was no shock. I, I think, uh, you know, to people that know that, you know, this is kind of what you do. <laughs> you go out there and you, uh, and you beat the guys you're not supposed to beat. It's my MO. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say that, uh, Kevin Ferguson is a really, really nice guy. Uh, when I was in the hospital, he came into my hospital room, congratulated me. He even gave my mom a hug and talked to her for a minute. Nice. He was a real stand-up guy. Um, you know, I see a lot of hate on the internet right now. You know, this is something you notice. Uh-huh. And, um, yep. you know, they're hating on me a lot. There's a lot of hate on me. I'm cool. But they're saying some really mean things about Kevin Ferguson. It's really upsetting me. Um Especially when they say stuff about his dad and stuff, it's like it's really awful. And it's, I just, you know, I feel for him. You know, I really do. You know, he was a really nice guy. Like I said, he came into my hospital room and congratulated me, and he told my mom that I was tough as hell, and he didn't know how that. You know, he was really surprised. I think, I think, I think me eating a knee and then getting him in a crucifix together probably broke his spirits a little bit. Um, but. Yeah, I wish him the best of luck. I really do. He was a, he was a great guy. Well, congratulations again, man. I am hoping this leads to more and more opportunities for you down the road. But in the meantime, you know, heal up and uh, enjoy that win because uh, it really was something uh, to be proud of. 
I'm going to let you have uh, have the floor to give some shout outs where they're due, any sponsors, any training partners, any family, friends, any love you want to share and where people can uh, find you on social media. Yeah, well, Tim, I want to thank you especially. <laughs> of course. You kind of hooked me up here. You know what I'm saying? And I really appreciate it. I'm glad you thought of me. And um, obviously, I want to thank, you know, NKI. I want to thank Kevin. He tried to find me some sponsors. We had a, I had some issues with that. Uh, I had a banner made, and uh, I messed up. <sighs> you live and you learn. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's all good. Uh, he did. He worked pretty hard on that. Well, hey, um, next time you'll know, though. Yeah. I would definitely want to thank Bellator, too. They really treat you like a superstar down there. It's really awesome. Yeah. I hope I get to fight for them soon, you know? I, I'm really excited about, you know, hearing something about that. Hmm. Well, congratulations again, my man, for sure. Uh, do you have any – do you have more you want to shout out? No, no, that's it. Okay. Well, congratulations right again, man. I'm hoping that we hear some good news from Bellator again soon. Again, I think you really deserve it. Uh, I knocked off a, a guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people were following, got a lot of eyes on it, and made a lot of fans out there. So, uh, once again, Corey, thanks for the time. Congratulations, my man. All right. Thank you, Tim. We have Ned Spears. Uh, he will be making his professional debut in just a couple weeks from now, he'll be going down at the Valor Fighting Challenge November the 2nd in Knoxville at the Cotton Eye Joe. Ned, how's it going tonight, my man? That's uh, going good. Doing real good. 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 We appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, of your time to chat with us. I know you are uh, deep into training camp. I guess, uh, are you just finishing up for the evening? Yeah, I've done uh, a little bit of cardio this afternoon, done a uh, couple miles and some sprints and... Uh, now I'm kicking back, taking it easy, watching a little TV. Very nice, very nice. Well, Ned, we will uh, we'll cut right to the chase. You've got your big pro debut coming up. You are, you've been on the scene for years and years, a, a long time uh, uh, staple on the scene. You've been uh, fighting for, for lots of different promotions, but you've been with our fights now for the last couple of years. On a two-fight winning streak, uh, 2018 has been, has been really good for you, man, uh, and that gives you a lot of momentum going into this pro debut. Uh, talk a little bit about this year. You know, that you, you had a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, you know, you had some fights, um, obviously, earlier in your career, and then uh, you, you took some time off uh, helping to run the Iron Lock gym there with Jason Coomer. Obviously, you're highly involved with youth, youth wrestling in your area. But uh, just talk about this last this this resurgence, if you will. What is what was kind of the catalyst in getting you back out here and and, and, and getting active? You know, because you've been active. You fought. Uh, you know, it will this will be the fourth fight you've had in the past year and a half, I'd say. Yeah, uh, early on, I took a bunch of fights and uh, was real busy, and then I had uh, some injuries. Um, and now I've gotten over those injuries and, uh, even though I'm a little older, my body feels good. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to push through, uh, as far as I could, as long as I could. So I feel better when I'm being competitive and being in training and, uh, it makes, it makes a huge difference on your physicality. If I could say that word, sure. uh, when you're, <laughs> when you're actually doing something all the time, uh, and that's my motivation. There's times uh, in the past where I took, well, you know, about a year or so between fights, and uh, you're just not as healthy, it doesn't seem like. 
Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed this past year. I mean, it's been uh, it's been good. I took a couple of tough fights uh, for the past couple of years, and then uh, I got healthy again, and I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. Well, we're really excited for it for sure. Now, for our listeners out there, Ned is 47 years old. This is not your typical uh, debuting fighter. Ned has been around fighting for for a decade or better, uh, and you know, it's just now kind of gotten to the point where he's dialed in, you know, to to, to you know to really kind of make that that jump to make that leap and to that pro to that pro level. Uh, not saying uh, that you haven't been uh, of a pro level uh, for a couple years, but as far as you being able, to, I think, to really dedicate yourself and your training to it, would that would that be correct? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> when you go so long between fights, it, it's just you know. Uh, during camp, you feel like you're there, but then once I, I take that, all that time off, I just don't feel like I was uh, quite ready to make that, that transition. I've been fighting since uh, 2006, uh, off and on, and uh, the past uh, three years have been a little more active for me. And like I said, I feel better about it. Uh, I'm in really good shape. We've had a good training camp and still got a couple weeks to go. And uh, I'm ready to make weight and fight this weekend. Uh, always, man, always. Well, Ned, you know you'll be you'll be taking on Dre Miley. It's another tough guy, uh, but I'll say, you know, you over the over the past couple of years, you've tested yourself against. Uh, you know, we haven't we haven't thrown you bums. You know, we put you in there with with good guys. You fought guys like Will Bulldog, Shane Shavener, Logan Wolf, uh, and these guys honestly are on a, on in my opinion are really really close to being on a pro level themselves. Uh, and you know, so you've been fighting amateurs that are that will prepare you for this jump. You're, you're coming off of a win. Uh, you're coming off of a win at Valor 51. That was uh, in July, so about three months ago, as of now. And uh, you, and you beat a teammate of Dre Miley's. You know, you beat Logan Wolf, who is another hot prospect that's kind of coming up through the ranks. His brother Chris Wolf will be on this card, and uh, you beat him with a triangle choke. And uh, in the second round, and, you know, whenever guys ask me, hey, you know, what's the scoop on uh, on Ned? You know, what's you know what what's he like? You know, what I always tell him pretty much is, you know, he's a he's a salty vet. You know, he's uh, he's a guy that he's got good wrestling and he's going to have tricks. He's going to have tricks that he's learned over these many years. So you can't you can't uh, sleep on him, you know, because even though he's an older guy, he has got a lot of experience. And and from what I hear, uh, a lot of that that man strength, you know, uh, Logan Wolf uh, went on the record and said, you know, he's when you grabbed him, essentially, that you were much stronger than what he anticipated. Uh, is that a real thing? Is that, you know, whenever you hear people say he's got that old man strength, is old man strength a real yeah. thing? Yeah, the uh, I hear that quite a bit in, in, in training and uh, when I. When we're uh, we're grappling and wrestling with guys, uh, I've worked I work construction. I'm on construction company, so I'm constantly uh, moving, lifting. It, it's just a you know ten, twelve hour day thing for me. So uh, I don't lift weights. Uh, I haven't lifted weights in uh, I guess ten, probably twenty five or years or better. Uh, I've just worked and. The old man strength thing is real. I didn't believe it for the longest time, but uh, I understand it now. It is real. Uh, so that's where that comes from. It just comes from uh, getting out there and doing it every day. Very nice. Very nice. Well, let's talk about a, a little bit about this matchup. You know, uh, Dre Miley, he's a guy also that has been on the scene now. Uh, he's a young guy, but he's but he's been on the scene now, I would guess, for honestly probably about six years now. Uh, he's a guy that had a – 
pretty good layoff in between fights. He, he came out uh, as a pretty highly touted amateur, and then, uh, then he, he was on the shelf for a good while as he was having a hard time getting uh, cleared uh, with uh, with his, his vision. But, uh, you know, he, he's been back, and he's been more uh, active here lately. What can we expect in this matchup against a guy that, you know, is, is quite a bit younger than you, uh, probably has uh, the athleticism advantage, but will have the disadvantage when it comes to experience and uh, just overall cage time and, and, and training time. Talk a bit about what we can expect in this fight. You know, uh, I've watched a bunch of his fights, and uh, I like that he's he's a good striker, uh, and he does have a good wrestling game. So that, that puts it together, and that's going to make it tough, you know, to get in and do the, the things that I want to do, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, a, you know, you're looking to get challenged. You don't want to go in and really uh, – get uh, get a walkthrough it's just not it's just not worth it i like to be challenged when i go in that's why i do it is to see how good i am at that particular time and and dre is uh young and he's very quick uh so me and my old slow self is going to be hard to get inside <laughs> yeah right what are some of the things yeah, that, you, that you feel like you need to, that you need to watch out for uh, he's a good counter striker. He's got range. He's a little taller than I am. Uh, so um, I'm going to have to keep either uh, out of range or I'm going to have to be inside tight. So uh, his game is going to be uh, counter striking and looking just to keep me right at his range, right at his distance. So I've got to make sure that I'm either out of that or I'm inside that. That's the main yeah. thing we've been working on is to be able to, to stay off or stay in one or the other. Are you, uh, is there any concern at all? You know, you're a guy that I've, I don't think I've ever seen you slow down in fights. You've had lots of fights that go to, to decisions as, as flyweights are subject to do. Uh, are you concerned at all about the increase to five minute rounds from the uh, three minute rounds that you've been accustomed to? No. Uh, at first, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be different. I am a little older, and it cardio takes a little more for somebody my age. So uh, we've stepped up the cardio game and the uh, uh, the sparring times, uh, and I feel good. We just come off of a sparring day a couple of days ago, and uh, we went in, and I done uh, probably 20 minutes of uh, one minute each switch with a fresh guy sparring. Uh, then we went straight into a groundwork right after that, and. Uh, come out and didn't done some uh, cardio to finish up the day. So I, I feel pretty good about the five minutes. And uh, sometimes I'm a slow worker on the ground. So I, I, I'm looking forward to that if I get it to the ground to uh, be able to work things and not have to not have to rush through stuff. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it does. It takes time to set some things up. And, so, and by the time you, you get it there, some your three minutes at times is is already up. So uh, I've heard that a lot, guys. It, enjoy having that extra couple minutes to to try to let things progress on the ground, if you will. You're right, and that, that's what that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, three minutes sometimes. Just you just got to go. You just got to go crazy for three minutes at a time to get anything <laughs> done in an amateur fight. So this may be a little slower pace just because of the the five minute time. You know, I uh, another thing, Ned, uh, that. A lot of people will have a hard time getting used to is the adjusting of the rules uh, once you turn pro. However, you, uh, although in the past couple of years you've been fighting with us, so not so much at home, but but you've been able to fight at home in Virginia. Uh, their amateurs have 
full rules. So, you know, you've been able to throw elbows and, and do twisting leg locks, things that the amateurs here are not allowed to do. So it won't be just a complete, uh, uh, you know, surprise to you for do, as far as doing it for the first time. No, not not at all. We've, uh, like I said, I have fought uh, numerous amounts of times in Virginia and Kentucky years ago, and all that was, you know, it was just fair game. And we trained that way. Even even when I was preparing to fight as an amateur uh, in Tennessee, I was still training that way because we have other fighters that train with elbows, train with uh, uh, Muay Thai knees, and uh, all that goes along with that professional rules. So it's nothing nothing really new. I'll tell you, man, I'm really excited for this fight. This is what I've been telling people that will, I know will be good action because both you guys uh, both you guys like to push the pace, and I, I really think it's going to be good. Uh, before I let you go, man, I'm going to let you have the mic to uh, give some shout-outs where they're due, any uh, love you've got for training partner, sponsors, uh, family, friends, all that good stuff, and anywhere uh, where our fans can follow you on social media as well. Uh, well, on just social media, you can just uh, check out my facebook page uh there'll be some posts on there from the sponsors coming up uh that i'm getting ready to pick up for the fight uh, that's just under my name uh you know mostly i want to give a shout out to the guys at the gym for uh for just pushing me really hard and uh, especially jason uh, some of you guys may know jason out there he's been around the scene for 20 plus years uh he's a world-class grappler and uh striker and he's had a couple pro fights himself uh, back in the day, but he is just a, a phenomenal coach and uh, so much information. He's forgotten more than I've ever learned. <laughs> I just want to, uh, I just want to give him, uh, you know, props for uh, pushing me to uh, get where we're at right now. And he's got, we got a couple other good guys in the gym, some younger guys that are going to be uh, making some, making some waves out there. So we're looking, looking forward to that. And Very I, nice. I want to say a thank you. I want to give you props and say thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to get out there and uh, make this debut and and see how that goes. I'm I'm excited about that and I appreciate your uh, uh, your work in putting that together. Absolutely, a pleasure, my man. And uh, you know, uh, I, I know that we haven't talked much about it here lately, but I know that uh, the last we spoke, you and Jason were in the works to to do an event up that way. So if, if that's still happening as we get closer and closer, we'd love to have you guys back on to, to talk that up and, and let everybody know more more information about it. Absolutely, yeah, we've got we've got a date set, and uh, we're going to be opening that up to uh, some fighters in the area, and even from that area, where, wherever, however it works out, we just. Uh, Love to come back and talk to you about that later on, too. Absolutely. Once again, this has been Ned Spears. Be sure to check out his pro debut. It's going down here in just a couple weeks, November the 2nd, at the Valor Fighting Challenge at the Cotton Eye Joe, Knoxville, Tennessee. Good luck in that fight, Ned. Can't wait to see it. Thanks so much for the time. Have a good night, my man. Thanks, guys. Y'all appreciate it. Have a good one. Up next on the line, we have one of the top flyweight prospects in the nation uh, as far as the amateur ranks go. Uh, getting getting towards the end of that amateur uh, rank, I would guess. We've got Jacob Clemens on the line. Jacob, how's it going, my man? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely a pleasure, as always. You're getting ready to get back into the cage now uh, after uh, right a, a little over a year since your last MMA fight, a big win over Diego Bautista, who has since gone gone pro. Uh, you're going to be taking on Chance Hurst, and it's going to go down to the Valor Fighting Challenge here in about two weeks, uh, and it's going down at the Cotton Eye Joe. It's fight night at the Joe on November the 2nd. Uh, how are you feeling going into this thing, my man? Uh, you know, it's been, uh, you know, you've got some kickboxing in between then, but uh, it's been a while since you've, you've gone full MMA. Is it, does it feel good to, to get back to, to your bread and butter? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the kickboxing battle that I did, or the Muay Thai bout, rather, was, uh, was funny even though I came out on the losing end. But, yeah, it's been way, way too long since I've had an MMA fight. I know we were trying to set up something, and all this um, it just kind of uh, fell through. So, um, yeah, I'm just really, really ready to get back in there and actually be able to mix it up and uh, throw everything together. Well, as a guy that has uh, matched, you know, so many of your fights, I can say you, you've become a, a difficult guy to match. And, uh, you know, guys look you up. They see, uh, you know, you're the number three ranked uh, amateur flyweight in the state. I would beg to say that you're the top amateur flyweight in the state, uh, you know, top 10 in the southeast. Most guys, uh, they shy away from you. We've had a hard time getting guys to step up. In this case, uh, we have got a guy that, that definitely knows very much who you are, Chance Hurst out of Newport Combat Club, 2-0 uh, and oh and Muay Thai, but this will be his MMA debut. And so, uh, you know, whenever they said they wanted this fight, I said, you know, hey, all I've got really is Jacob Clemens uh, for this card. They didn't bat an eye. They, they were ready to go. Uh, and uh, they said, uh, you know, we're in, you know, we know he's tough. We know he's going to be a, we know he's going to be a test for us, but that's what we want. So, uh, have, have you found anything on this guy in, in a way, uh, obviously he's, he's giving up some MMA experience, but you really, I don't honestly, maybe there is some footage out there, but I haven't been able to find any, any footage to really gauge this guy. So, uh, any, any take from your end? Uh, we haven't been able to find anything on him. Um, yeah, no, whenever they said it was going to be his MMA debut, I was kind of, I was kind of hesitant at first. I was like, you know what, man, the guy's he's stepping up. He's doing what few others are either able to do or willing to do. I mean, actually wants to fight. So, I mean, I give him all the respect in the world for that. Um, but, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, right. I've been, yeah, I've been waiting over a year to get in there, and it got to a point where I didn't care who it was. Whoever wanted to agree and would make 125 and show up, I'll fight. So it turns out that it's chance. Um, I definitely appreciate him taking the fight. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. I can guarantee that. Um, I can tell already he's probably got a lot of heart and I don't have an ounce of quit in me. So this is definitely, definitely going to be a fun fight to watch. Well, coming out of Newport Combat Club, those guys known uh, to be bangers, known to have uh, a lot of heart. You know, they come forward, they, they come to fight. Uh, very rarely you're going to see him going for takedowns. Uh, are we going to see uh, some stand-up here? Are you going to let the get let the fight just kind of flow uh, where it will, or uh, are you going to show that uh, you know, hey, this is a whole other world in kickboxing. You know, you got to have your ground game uh, on point. You know, or, or is it all just going to be a big surprise? <laughs> I'll probably just be a surprise. You know, I'll talk with my coaches. We'll figure out what the game plan is. We've kind of gotten to a point where we don't necessarily worry about what the uh, other guys get plans on doing we just know that we've got our game plan and that's what we're going to stick to i mean if we need to call um any audibles then i mean we'll do so in between the rounds but i don't know it'll, it'll probably be a surprise but it's definitely it's definitely going to be entertaining i know that for sure 
Well, you know that, you know, I've, I've said, you know, for, for probably the last six months to a year, I, I feel like you're ready to go pro. I think you'd be competitive uh, in our pro scene right now. Is there anything in particular that your coaches want to see out of you in this performance that will kind of be the catalyst in them saying, all right, he's ready? All right, you know, is there any is there is there anything that in spe- specifically or, or not specifically that that you feel like you need to show them in order to, to kind of get that to make that next move? Um, it's more or less just, you know, being able to listen to a game plan during the actual fight. Um, I made mi- I made a few mistakes in the uh, Muay Thai fight that I did. Um, that probably ended up costing me that. Um, so I sat down with my coaches. They gave me a rundown of what they wanted to see um, from me as far as um, handling the prep for a fight, ha- actually handling the fight itself and everything. Um, so I've, I got a feeling that if, if I turn in a good performance uh, with this fight, um, I'll talk to them, and it may actually be time to finally join the pro ranks and cause a little havoc up there. Yeah, I think that would definitely inject some good, fresh uh, energy into that pro fly, uh, flyweight scene. There's so many good fights out there. I think I can think of right off that I, that would be just awesome with you in them. So uh, certainly something that I, I'm looking forward to. Uh, talk a little bit about another fight on this card that you know both guys pretty well. It is, uh, and this is a pro fight. Uh, Dre Miley taking on Ned Spears. I know that you've trained a lot with Ned. Uh, I'm sorry, not with Ned, but with Dre. Uh, you fought Ned. He, you spent quite a bit of time in the cage with Ned. That y'all went all the rounds. Uh, what are I thought that this is a fight that is is guaranteed to be exciting because both guys, you know, they want to press. Uh, what's your take on it? I actually did never fight Ned. Um, I know we tried to set it up a few times, um, but obviously he's turning pro, and I know. Dre quite well, trained with him a few times. I mean, it's going to be, that one's going to be a fun fight to watch for sure. Dre likes to come forward. Um, Ned, from the fights that I've seen him in. Oh, um, Lord. I, really can, shit. I completely confused you and Shane Schaefer. I thought that you had already fought Ned. Sorry. Well, give me your take on it anyway. You know the guys. <laughs> Let's say, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to fighting him in the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know Ned, um, he's, yeah, he's a little sneaky on the ground, you know. Um, Got some veteran moves in him. I mean, he'll pull some stuff that, you know, you might not necessarily see coming. Um, I think a lot of people might look down on him kind of because of his age, but, I mean, that's – I mean, hell, that don't matter. I mean, guy's still in there. He's getting ready to fight. Um, so, I mean, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, of course, like I said, Dre is explosive. He's quick. Um, he's also got a really strong ground game. I honestly probably see that being spent mostly on the ground. Um but yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. As long as you, as long as you understand jujitsu and the ground game as a whole, that fight is going to be fun to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this card is a little different than most. You know, we've got uh, 10, 11 bouts. The you know most of them are going to be pro. Only three amateur bouts on this card. You'll be headlining that amateur portion and then uh, relaxing and enjoying the pros. I'm sure. Uh, give me your take on the main event: Big Sexy Billy Swanson, John, Big Sexy Billy Swanson, and John Hall. That's a that's kind of a that's a stylistic matchup. Um, I know Billy's really strong in the wrestling. Of course, John, um, actually my opponent's coach. I know he's right. got a lot of power in his hands. Um, but I mean, so does Billy too. Um, I've seen both guys fight. I've been impressed really thoroughly um, by what I've seen from each person. So I mean, it's really just a matter of you know can. Um, John stop Billy's takedowns because I mean I'm sorry if Billy Swanson gets on top of you and gets a hold of you you're done I mean <laughs> that, that guy is relentless and he's kind of a sleeper because everyone sees him like and they're like oh he's not athletic he can't fight like 
Now I got I got a newsflash for you. Yeah, that motherfucker can fight. <laughs> uh, I mean, but John can't be slept on either. You know, if he catch if he catches someone coming in, I mean, he could go to sleep. I mean, but that one I can kind of see going either way. But me personally, just from a stylistic standpoint, I could see Billy Swanson pulling it out. I'm giving you a little test run here, man, because uh, I, I've always kind of had uh, a, a good a good uh, idea that you may be okay in that commentary booth, man. So uh, uh, maybe coming up here in the in the next couple shows, love to get you in that commentary booth and, and get some analysis because you're very well spoken. I I just want to kind of get your breakdown on those. You did great. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm perfectly okay with doing commentary. <laughs> So, so of course, that is all going down in just a couple weeks, man. And really excited to see you back in action in MMA. Uh, this will be the first time you fought at the Cotton at the, at the Cotton Eye Joe. We we haven't done an event there. There there were events there several years ago. Uh, we're about to do it bigger and better. Uh, what can the fans expect from this uh, from this scene, if you will? I mean, I don't know. I actually the only times that I've ever been the Cotton Eye Joe was for weigh-ins. I actually went last weekend. A friend of mine. Um, decided to get me to go and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll be able to scout the uh I'll be able to scout the um the venue out a little bit, kinda get the feel for it and plus she's cute, so I was like, hey, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh I was looking, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit strange. I'm kinda curious on how the cage is gonna fit in there. Um it looked kind of a low hanging ceiling. Um but I'm sure you guys are gonna work that out. But that's the thing it's gonna be a fun environment. Um it's gonna be a bit different, obviously, from what everyone's used to. But I still think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Plus, who doesn't like drinking and watching fights? I mean, let's that's be real. Right, that's right. And you know, when you have these intimate atmospheres in an intimate venue, then it just contains that energy. And uh, and I think it'll make for a really fun night. Really excited to see what you can do in there, my man. I'm gonna let you have the have the, have the floor to give any shout outs where they're due, any sponsor love, training partners, friends, family, and where we can find you on social media. Yes, thank you to all my sponsors that have supported me so far. I've still got a few um, pending uh, before the fight comes up, so hopefully we'll hear from that. But so far, everyone that has sponsored me, thank you guys so much. Um, my training partners have been great um, for this entire camp. Uh, special shout-out to my man Tim Jones at Shop. He's given me some helpful um, diet tips, uh, as well as Scott Holtzman. He's given me a few tips, too. Um, so thank you guys for that. Um, thank my coaches for helping me get ready. Um, everybody else that's kind of help me along this journey. I definitely appreciate you guys. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Koala MMA125. Um, and you can just add me on Facebook if you want to, um, if you want to keep up with uh, my life and meme addiction. Uh, so just uh, give me a follow, and I'm definitely looking forward to putting on a show for everybody. This has been top rising flyweight prospect Jacob Clemens. He's getting ready to return to the cage after over a year off from MMA. It's going down in about two weeks, November the 2nd at the Valor Fighting Challenge. Fight night at Joe. Jacob, we appreciate the time. Good luck, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. And that does it for another edition of the Valor Hour. Number 85 is in the books. We'll be back next week with some more interviews with some folks uh, pertaining to the Valor Fighting Challenge for November 2nd at Cotton Eye Joe, uh, as well as uh, maybe we'll, we'll look back at whatever happens at this PFL this weekend. Justin, what is there if, before we before we sign off? What what of note uh, shall we shall we look for at the, on this PFL card? There's really not a whole lot of action this weekend, but there is a PFL uh, playoff event, I believe, Saturday. Yeah, got Jake Shields uh, and Rick Story both on on the uh, card in the welterweight playoffs. Um, Jake Shields' opponent ran through him last time, so 
uh, that'll be fun to watch. And uh, Rick Story, you know, he's always he's always been a warrior. Um, not sure much about his opponent, but be fun to be fun if Jake pull it off and and you see uh, Jake and uh, Rick Story in in the semifinals. But it's gonna be interesting to watch either way. I mean, you got the first round is the quarterfinals, so you've got um, two five minute rounds. And the winner goes on to fight again that night in a three five minute fight or three round, three five minute round fight. Um, so that'd be a total of, of uh, five rounds, you know, for the two guys that are in the final or in the uh, semifinals. So it'd be uh, fun to get back to that kind of a tournament model, you know, where you're fighting twice in one night. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely excited to see how it all shakes out as we head towards the championships. We'll make hopefully we'll, we'll have a we'll do a preview show on the championships so they'll get their shit together and put their odds out before damn the day of the show. So uh, <laughs> no doubt. Again, this is uh, Tim Loy signing off for my co-host Justin Watson. Uh, we will see you all next week on the Valor Hour. Later. For more information on upcoming events, visit valorfights.com or find them at Valor Fights on both Facebook and Twitter. This has been the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. What stood out to me is the job that Dan Mullen and his staff did offensively with less personnel out coaching Dave Aranda and LSU's defense. They got the better of them. There wasn't a whole lot there. There wasn't a whole lot for Florida to be able to take advantage of. But they got the ball out of hands of Felipe Franks quickly. They attacked the edges. They ran a little option. LSU likes to play nickel. They ran power at LSU, option the edge defender, and just got enough out of the offense, out of the running game to have success. It stood out to me that Florida was not only the better coach team, the more physical team. They attacked LSU's protections. They put a lot of pressure on Burrow. Receivers didn't have a lot of time to get open, didn't do a very good job of getting open. I thought Florida was a better defensive team. Thought they had more studs making plays up front than did LSU. And they affected the quarterback more than LSU affected Felipe Franks. Very impressive performance by the Gators. As I said before, repeatedly, Dan Mullen's one hell of a football coach. And the longer he gets a hold of the players, listen, it's not going to be perfect, folks. He's not going to win every game. So I, I just find it extremely comical when people or the same people are questioning <laughs> after the Florida guy, guy can't coach. You didn't do a very good job at Mississippi State. <laughs> really? Do you watch football or are you just that dumb that you don't know what you're watching? Guy's a great football coach. Not a good one, a great one. Todd Granham has done a really good job against LSU's offenses now at Florida. He did it at Mississippi State. He did it at Louisville. He's caused a lot of problems against LSU. Florida's variable is their ability to recruit. If they can recruit like Georgia, they're going to play and win like Georgia. If they don't, they'll fall slightly short. 
but from a coaching standpoint, they can match up with against anybody. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 